Hello and welcome to our final part, looking at the work and the ministry and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. My name is Mike, I'm the pastor of Watch It Baptist Church. You're joining us online. Uh, if you are uh, watching me on video, here's a little way for you. If you're watching us uh, on audio, what are you looking at? Uh, if you're listening to us on audio, it is fantastic to have you with us. Uh, and I do hope that you'll be able at some point to reach out and let us know uh, how you're getting on with these talks. Let us know where you're listening from. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, and do use the prayer at watchitbaptist.org.uk email address for that. So we're going to be looking at six passages. Again, a combination of our Old and New Testament uh, bits and pieces as we tour again the Bible, looking at the Holy Spirit and the way in which he encourages and equips the people of God. So let's pray and then let's get cracking. Thank you, God, that you are faithful that you stand by your people, that you stand with us and that you don't leave us or abandon us to our own devices, that as we seek to be faithful to you, to follow you, to trust in you, to demonstrate our faith in you, that you encourage us and you equip us. Would you help us get a handle on how that uh, makes for a good partnership? And would you help us learn more about the Holy Spirit too? In this session, we pray. Amen. There's a little bit of a subtitle to this session. It's called The Spirit Provides What We Need to Live for Jesus. There is something about the way in which we live that is better done with the Holy Spirit's involvement. That can be a difficult thing to get our heads around, not least because the Holy Spirit is invisible. Wouldn't life be a lot easier if the Holy Spirit wasn't invisible? It'd make for a lot easier sort of way to talk things through and listen. And anyway, it's not happening. So we need to have an understanding of how the Holy Spirit does this and what that means for us on a day-to-day -day basis. So our first reading is from Ezekiel. It's from Ezekiel 36. It's just verses 26 and 27, and it says this. And I will give you a new heart. This is God speaking. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It's an amazing bit of generosity, isn't it? That God provides us with his spirit and that in doing so, he removes some of the things that would make it very difficult for us to follow Jesus. Our stubborn heart and our stony heart. It's very true that people can be incredibly resistant to what God has to say. There's lots of, of um, references in the Bible to hardened hearts and the way in which God is part of or responds to those who have hard hearts. And this idea of a stony, stubborn heart does echo that very much. But what we need instead is something different. And God doesn't wait for us to find out how we could make our own hearts softer. He says, I'll take away your stubborn and stony heart and give you a tender responsive heart and say so he says i will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations so the holy spirit's role includes encouraging us and leading us towards 
faithfulness and obedience, we are better placed to do what God would ask us to do, to live the way that he thinks it's best for us to live, if we involve the Holy Spirit, if we kind of introduce the Holy Spirit to how we do the day, to who we are when no one's looking, that kind of thing. So that's part one of our tour and shows that, again, the Holy, Holy Spirit is referred to and present in the Old Testament. And what God says in that context is so very relevant to our understanding of what the Spirit does and what the Spirit is for. Secondly, and we're jumping into Acts. I know we spent most of the last session in Acts. But Acts 6 verse 3 says this. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom we will give them this responsibility. Now, this is this is the running effectively of a very small welfare state uh, in the early church. Uh, those who were um, widows or otherwise marginalised, struggling or lacked financial support. There was a kind of an in-house uh, scheme for feeding and clothing and providing uh, necessary resources for them. And it was getting a bit of a jumble and lots of people involved by this point with some time after the point at which 3,000 people are added to their number in Acts 2 we're now in Acts 6 and so it's become quite a bit of work and the apostles are saying look it's probably a good idea that we don't try and do everything let's see if we can identify some people to help out with this particular project and so they identify these guys one of which is Stephen uh, but they are identified because they are respected full of the spirit and wisdom and I think it's reasonable for us to see a connection, a link there between being full of the Spirit and being wise. These guys were selected because they had the Holy Spirit in them, because they had the wisdom that went with that, and because those things enabled them to be good servants, not just of God's people, but of God himself. And it was the Holy Spirit that was at work in them that made this stand out. This is a passage that we sometimes refer to as we are thinking through who might uh, accept a nomination or be nominated for a position of responsibility within the church. That we're looking for those who are wise and who are known for having the Spirit in them. Stop number three on our tour today. The Spirit shows us new ways. We're in Romans 7 for this. Uh, and we're just doing verse 6. Now we have been released from the law. This is Paul writing. For we died to it law and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law but in the new way of living in the spirit. You will I'm sure have met uh, disciples Christians around you who seem to be uh, uh, kind of running on rails a little bit. It's, it's kind of what's the rule for this, what's the rule for this, what's the rule for this and and you know we've, we've had a passage haven't we with Ezekiel, where it says the spirit will be in you and you will follow my decrees. And so there is an important part of being obedient to God's call. But as uh, is made very clear by Paul in this phase too, in this uh, verse, now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in a new way of living in the spirit. Paul sees that there is something richer and more relational and more honouring to Jesus in following the lead of the spirit than in only obeying the law. It doesn't mean the law becomes unimportant, but it does mean that Paul is reminding us that following the lead of the Spirit is different because he is a person and we are called to follow a person. And Jesus tells us 
that the Holy Spirit will tell us what the Father once said. So, as I said, it's not that the law becomes irrelevant, but it is that following the Spirit's guidance does our minds good. It means that we are best placed, best equipped to be doing what Jesus would call us to do. Now we can, uh, now we can serve God in the new way of living in the Spirit. Stop number four then, and we're in 1 Corinthians 12, and this is a slightly longer reading than most of our other stops have been, but bear with me. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, writes Paul, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Just to drop in at this point, that this is a church that Paul's writing to that has become very good at little factions, little opposition groups within the church that believe that the thing that they think is important is the most important. And that's led to everything from um, confrontation to chaos uh, on, um, on those occasions when they gather to worship. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other, Paul goes on. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Holy Spirit is very keen for us to be empowered, for us to have things that we can do that will build the church up or communicate the good news to those who don't know Jesus. All of us share a responsibility to serve and to share. But as Paul is saying here, some people are given particular gifts to do this in particular ways. Now, one of the things Paul's trying to get across to these guys is that if different people have different gifts, it doesn't mean that one of them comes from a better place than another. One of them isn't superior to another. One of them, is, you know, there's, there's a growing sense that almost anything in this church could lead to people confronting each other or looking down on each other. And Paul wants to nip that in the bud. Maybe he's nipping at some point after it's been in the bud, but he's definitely keen to get his message across. And the way he does that is say, look, there's one spirit that does all these things, one spirit that gives all this stuff, one spirit that provides these things. And that means that it's the spirit's purpose that those gifts are given for. Now, this session is about the equipping and encouraging of disciples by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit longs to equip us with things that are going to make a difference for the community of faith around us and for the world beyond that doesn't know Jesus yet. But if we're not receptive, if we're not open, if we're not in, in some ways um, being a soft landing place for the Holy Spirit in our hearts, then those things aren't going to land. We're not going to be able to take hold of the opportunities that we have because of these gifts that are given us, because we're not really aware that God is trying to give them through his Holy Spirit. So the equipping of the Holy Spirit is something that's part of the unity of God's people. It's not a reason for 
uh, again, like I said, for hierarchy or for any kind of like status symbols on spiritual terms. That's not how it's supposed to work at all. Instead, there is the purpose of the spirit that we are invited to participate in. We're invited to be part of a partnership with God and the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to help with that. I don't believe that this list that Paul gives us is designed to be exhaustive, not least because in other places he lists some of the same things, but not all of them. And there's some other things as well. When he writes to Romans, in Romans 12, it's not quite the same list. And when he talks about gifts given to the church in Ephesians 4, he mentions roles rather than um, abilities, you know, different ways of expressing these things in different places. So it's not it's not that this is supposed to be, these are all the gifts that are possibly available to you and you've got to have one of them. That isn't what's being said. Instead, I believe that Paul is saying the Spirit is able to equip and empower you in various different ways. Keep your hearts open to the one Spirit, serve God together with the gifts that the Spirit is giving. That's about things that we might do and ways in which we might serve. This next one, stop number five on our list, is a little different. We're in Titus chapter three, and we're reading verse five. When God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides us with new life, with a new start, a new birth, a new beginning. And, and I've referred to this before, but Jesus brings us to Nicodemus's attention in John 3. And he's like, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born in a way that the spirit is part of. There's got to be a kind of a starting place. And he offers this to the disciples too, when he promises the Holy Spirit is something they'll be baptized. Uh, if John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is not new uh, material, new information, but... Paul writing to Titus in a letter that's very tender and personal, uh, he's written to an individual, says he, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So as we are renewed as people, and, and this forgiveness is something that we need again and again, that is uh, the mercy of God, uh, that it's the Holy Spirit that's involved in restarting us. And this takes us all the way back, doesn't it, to that sense that the Spirit is creative. And Paul writes elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in, uh, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and a new thing has started. So the spirit is involved in creating. And Paul reminds Titus that what the spirit does is recreate us almost every time we call on the mercy of Christ. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. If we want to be the new people that Jesus is inviting us to be, but try to do that without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to feel encouraged. We're not going to feel equipped. We're not going to know what it is to be all that God might offer us the chance to be. And looking back at some of the previous sessions, we're not going to experience the boldness or the renewal that the Holy Spirit can, can offer the creativity, the Oh, there's, there's so much, so much in the last five sessions, five and a half sessions. Um, yeah, I can't do justice to it in my memory. But can we see how, as uh, Paul writes to Titus, he's saying, look, Holy Spirit refreshes us and who we are 
over and over again and gives us the chance to start over and over again. Gives us the chance to be new people over and over again. So our last stop on our last tour is in Galatians 5. And this may not be a surprise to many of you. You might be wondering when this one was going to come along. But here we are. Uh, stop number six uh, in this particular session where we're looking at how the Spirit encourages and equips. We're in Galatians 5, reading, verse, reading verses 22 and 23. And they say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Spirit shows us how to grow. How to be, yes, but how to grow too. How to be more like Jesus in our patience, in our faithfulness, in our gentleness, in our love. We saw, didn't we, when we looked at the Holy Spirit in Jesus, that part of what the Holy Spirit brought was a kind of a gentleness in style of ministry within Jesus. All those nine things listed there are characteristics that Jesus had. The characteristics that the Holy Spirit will help us develop. But as with all things that come in our relationship with Jesus, don't happen automatically. We have to we have to ask, we have to want it, we have to choose it. And if we want to become the kind of people the Holy Spirit could mould us to be, we need to look to the Spirit, ask for the Spirit, be willing to change for the Spirit, to make space for him in who we are, willing to change so that we might be all the Spirit knows we can be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that the Spirit longs to help us grow, to encourage and empower, to equip. We pray that we would not let this stop at head knowledge, kind of a bookish understanding, but that we would start exploring and investing in ways to pray for the Spirit to be with us in power, in boldness, in humility. And we ask that you would renew us, the kind of followers of Jesus that we become will be different from the people we already are because we are following his way. Amen. Right then, three questions. Question number one, how has the Holy Spirit changed you that in ways that you can remember? How are you different because of the Holy Spirit from who you used to be? Question two, how can we recognize the difference between a way of serving God that's based on the letter of the law and a way of serving God that's based on living in the Spirit? Question three, have you asked the Holy Spirit to give you a gift that might help you serve Jesus and reach out to a world that needs him? It may be that you have done this before and maybe many times it might even be that God's given you different gifts for different seasons of your life. But it may be something that you've never done. 
And so you perhaps never have experienced the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, in who you are, in your boldness, in your courage, or even in your self-control. I'd like to challenge you just now to pause, make yourself some brain space of some kind, and to pray for the Holy Spirit to empower you with something that he knows is needed for his purpose in the world in partnership with you. Let's pray one last time. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gift, the promised Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please weave yourself into who we are. Make us hungry and thirsty for you, your power, your insight, your wisdom. Take us to where we need to be to serve you the best way we can. Make us ready to go. Amen. Thank you, everyone. That's it for this season, this series on the Holy Spirit. Next time we'll be looking at something completely new and different. I look forward to doing that with you. Take care and God bless. Mm -hmm.